Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans, heck, college sports fans across the nation and around the world, especially those of you trying to get tickets to that first four in Dayton. <laughs> this is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. I welcome in one of those people trying to get tickets to that first four uh, situation over in Dayton on Tuesday night, uh, his beloved Wyoming Cowboys. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, even though he uh, covers Ohio State football and a little bit of basketball prolifically, uh, this man was born a cowboy. Uh, a cowboy's got a ride. He wants to ride over to Dayton to see his beloved Wyoming mm-hmm. Cowboys take on what, Indiana. I'm already predicting an upset in that game, but uh, Austin Ward, welcome back to the co-pilot seat to the Tim May Podcast, my man. Thank you. Ready to uh... – Head over to the home of the Flyers and uh, enjoy a nice Tuesday evening. I'm taking my bride, who didn't go to Wyoming like I did, but spent some time there working at the Casper Star Tribune, my hometown newspaper. So she has some brown and gold in the closet. And we'll head over and watch the Pokes beat the Hoosiers. We were fortunate enough to, uh, I don't know, not get totally destroyed by the scalpers on Sunday night when that matchup was announced, but certainly not uh, – the same amount of money that I would have paid to go see Wyoming uh, back in uh, 2002 during another famous postseason run for the Pokes. Yep. Long time coming for this program. I know people aren't tuning in to hear about Wyoming basketball, but there's a lot of excitement. Uh, you know, that basketball was always my, my first love and, and they, they've been far more successful, my alma mater on the hardwood than they have the gridiron traditionally. Um, so I know there's a lot of relief that they've been able to rebuild this program back to get to this level. And we're going to enjoy uh, a Tuesday night in Dayton. And you and I both know it's a fun event over there. We've covered yep. it a number of times. This will be the first time that um, I can do it, uh, be in the first four and, and enjoy that atmosphere a little bit more, uh, so to speak. But uh, Cam, I'm really excited, Tim. I just I know you are, man. I know you are. That's why I brought it up, even though we talk mainly about <laughs> Ohio State sports, Ohio State football in particular. I mean, I – you know, nothing like your uh, home, nothing like your uh, your uh, childhood team, your hometown team, uh, getting into getting into the big dance. And uh, by the way, I was just stunned uh, that your your wife's first job was was at the Casper Star Tribune. How did she? Uh, well, we won't go into too much depth, but that's crazy. Where was she from originally? She's from Columbus. It's uh, oh my goodness. <clears throat> the way life works, Tim. I mean, it's it's. Is truly- that where her car broke? Wait a minute. Is that where her car broke down? <laughs> On her way well, to paradise? She left, you know, she left Columbus, um, you know, to go to school in Syracuse. So she left home. Okay. Um, that still doesn't add up. It gets, a, gets her journalism degree at Syracuse, prestigious journalism school. Yep. And, you know, wanted a, you know, health and health reporting job. Casper Star Tribune is one of the great uh, small town, quote unquote, newspapers yep. that you'll find anywhere. A launching pad for a number of careers. She took that as her first job. Uh, certainly didn't expect uh, to leave there um, finding a future husband, I don't believe. And she definitely had no intention of eventually winding back in Columbus, which she didn't choose to. She followed me to Tennessee first, and then I 
wound up bringing her home as, as you all know, yep. uh, covered the Buckeyes. So it's, it's funny how life works. Cause I wasn't, by the time that she had started in Casper, I wasn't even there. I was, uh, I was toying it with graduate school at Tennessee uh, and doing some streaming for the Knoxville new Sentinel then. And I decided that wasn't the life for me. I had obviously done some, maybe not obviously, I had worked for the Star Tribune while in college as a, a freelancer and stringer while I was finishing up school. Um, you know, I called them up and said, hey, I think I think I really want to do this. I, I needed a little bit of time to figure it out. You think you have a job for me? Uh, yep, come home. And, and I remember, I'll never forget actually, seeing Allie on my first day of work there. She doesn't. She, I, I wasn't as important to her at that point, but uh, she was in Casper and had just started her career. Then I showed back up in my hometown, and uh, the rest is a, a little bit of history. The rest is marital bliss is what it is. I mean, you know, becoming so a health reporter in Casper, I mean, I would think that there's no, there's few places in America that have more rarefied air than Casper. That'd be a great place to be a health reporter, huh? That's, that's right. And uh, Good news today, ladies and gentlemen. Health is still good. Go ahead now. Go outside. And and Saturday is our anniversary. So we had been thinking, man, well, you know, what do we want to do? It's we got to plan ahead. It's a little bit harder now with, you know, Liberty being close to five. Um, yep. Life gets more complicated. And so we had um, my in-laws. We're going to take her on Friday night. We still didn't know what we were going to do. I said, well, I told her yesterday. So there's a chance that Wyoming is going to be in Dayton in the first four. Like, Obviously, I want to go, and we think we can switch the nights. So, how lucky am I that not only I, I find this woman in Casper in my hometown, but that she loves sports enough that she wants to. She's all about it. Yeah, Dayton, let's go. First four. That sounds like an anniversary party. Um, I mean, I'm I'm lucky, man, and uh, yes, in a lot of ways. So it's it's really cool how it all came together. We've got a. It's a unique story, of course, with especially coming back to Columbus and her hometown and her family and all that, but. It just makes you wonder, like, who who's pulling the strings for all this stuff? This was funny. What I'm wondering is not anything to do with that. My wondering is Casper High School, was their nickname the Ghosts? Was their favorite football play Ghost to the Post? So they did actually adopt at one point, not not the high school. My high school was the Kelly Walsh Trojans. Oh, it and, was. Uh, Golly. Yeah. Well, that screws it all up. But go ahead now. But so but so Rookie A-ball team that was in Casper, that was an affiliate of the Colorado Rockies. For a while, they were just the, the Casper Rockies. That was one of my first jobs, uh, was working like on-field promotions for um, this rookie A-league team. And you know, they didn't draw particularly well. Uh, it's, it's rookie A-ball. Most, most places don't. Yeah. And one of the things that they decided to do was like, well, we're too much like the Rockies. They won't, won't buy our logo. We're not different. We're not different enough. And so they switched to the Casper Ghosts, and they, for like a year or two, got a ton of publicity and people buying their merch. They did glow-in-the-dark hats, um, you know, to set apart, you know, because then, then these people that collect minor league hats have got to have a Casper Ghost hat. Uh, they're super yeah. cool and unique. So they did – there was a time that they actually did, in Casper, adopt that nickname. For the most part, though, people who had actually lived there had tried to avoid it. So it was kind of like they forced it on Casper when we didn't want it, but – that's the situation. Yeah. I mean, you gotta have, you gotta have that international appeal, you know, it can't just cater to the locals cause they, they, uh, they have a flow <laughs> with the wins and the losses. That's right. Hey, I appreciate you taking me down that lane, man. That was interesting. Uh, interesting story. Uh, how people end up where they are, you know, how you and I met, you know, cause <laughs> it's, it's, 
it's just, you know, we'll get into that one of these other days. But, uh, you know, this is an interesting podcast because I'm trying to keep it kind of short, but I got, I got an interview with uh, Joshua Perry, former Ohio State football player, former NFL player, uh, obviously now uh, Bert, his his uh, television career is burgeoning as we speak. I mean, Big Ten Network, uh, Valley Sports Network, uh, which takes him to Chicago a lot now. I've got another interview with him. He's back on the Tim A podcast. We're, we're talking about mental health. You know, with the with the revelation, as you scooped everybody on the revelation over the uh, last week of Harry Miller issuing that uh, that in, very interesting, insightful, uh, deep uh, message uh, to folks via his uh, one of his uh, social media accounts that he's stepping away from football and how he had contemplated suicide at one point. Uh, went to Ryan Day for help. This is a guy that was a five star uh, prospect out of Buford, Georgia who we thought had everything going for him, maybe as intelligent a fellow as we've ever covered, you know, at Ohio mm-hmm. State football. Definitely, you know, he could quote authors. Uh, he went on good goodwill trips to Nicaragua uh, yep. just annually, et cetera. Just seemed to have everything going for him. But it just shows you mental health can be real for a lot of people just when you think they've got it all going for them. And, uh, and, you know, we've seen that a few times now with Ohio state football since they've established the, uh, the portal for one of another term for, for these fellas to get help, you know, just within the the program there, Chelsea day and that group, uh, Dr. Chelsea day, who I had on my podcast uh, last summer talking about that and how Ryan day, you know, Ryan day has made it uh, so easy for these guys, easy, Maybe the wrong word to use there, but yeah. for them to seek help well, that they feel that they feel comfortable seeking him out when they've got a problem. And uh, of course, we know what he dealt with as a youngster, you know, losing his dad to, to suicide. And and it's just to me, it's an interesting facet now because it is definitely a hot topic in sports now of of, you know, people having trouble. And now instead of just uh, being introverts about it, seeking help and. Uh, I know you agree with me on that. Yeah, and I mean, reading the letter is you have to do it, or you should, I think, two or three times. Yeah. Uh, to let everything that he mentions in there sink in because it's it's <laughs> the word, I, I could describe it so many different ways. It's beautifully written. It's it's haunting to think about it in another way of, of how it could have gone as, as he writes and <clears throat> when you were talking about all the things that he, all of his other interests and his intelligence, I mean, he's, he's the only one I think who could have written a letter like this. And you hope that that has the impact that maybe he wants. I don't think he wrote it just purely, you know, to get the plaudits. um, No, because that's a, you know, most people don't ever want to talk about those darkest moments of their life. And that's why the number one term that I keep coming back to in all these other ways to describe it is how courageous it was for him to do it. And it, you and I know that you know, going into the Minnesota game last year, there was something amiss um, and lots of, you know, conversations about it being related to mental health. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about you, but I never got the sense that it was to this extent, uh, this severe um, that he had been willing to take it to that length. And, and I think part of that is, only he can talk about that. Only he can write about that. And only he should. Yes. Well, that's not That's not to say that we would have, that I w- was looking to report on anything about it. I wasn't. I just, 
I had conversations and I knew that, and, you know, they didn't know when he was going to come back, when he was going to feel mentally right. And those things are difficult for everyone to talk about. And we're all still trying to get better at it and learn how, and it would have, you know, you think about maybe the way it would have been talked about in the 1950s and junction boys or sixties and seventies, whatever. And Hey, just buck up and, and battle through it. I mean, I think, you know, Harry Miller and Ryan Day, they're fortunate that they had found each other, that that wasn't going to be the approach at Ohio State. And I'm not saying that it would, this is the only place that that could have been the case, you know, that they would have treated it this way or helped him that way. But, right. you know, he was, they found each other in a way that maybe saved lives and could save more lives down the road because they're both, you know, advocates now for it, willing to talk about it, do whatever to help. And uh, it, like I said, it, it just stings to think about and then put into context, uh, you know, the, the death threats that happened when, you know, two years ago and the social media uh, attacks on Harry Miller. And I, nobody knows like what was the trigger, but he certainly talked about that last off season, how much it hurt him and how difficult it was. And he was trying to use it as a growth opportunity, but you know, who, these things are, are just hard to assess and hard to deal with. Yeah. Uh, there's no social, there's no way to segue from that. I mean, that's no, just, I know. I'm just stumped because social media has its place. I get, you know, the hair on the back of my neck stands up a lot. And it just stood up because, uh, man, the pressure, the pressure that is on these young men, the expectation factor is at the root of it. You know, when you come out of Buford, Georgia as a five star recruit, you're expected to contend immediately, you know, even on the offensive line, which is crazy, you know, back in the good old days before 1972, you know, and that, that changed a few times during the war years and stuff, but freshmen didn't play, you know, they weren't eligible to play. Joe Namath wasn't eligible to play as a freshman at Alabama in 1961, you know, you know, for example, that's a guy I go back to like, you're a Wyoming guy. I go back to that. And, uh, and now, you know, you know, with the, with the, with the proliferation of recruiting coverage, you know, it, people almost treat football players like basketball players. But a basketball player can come off of a high school team and all these travel teams and and league teams that they play in and contribute immediately to a possible national championship season. You know, we've seen it before. We've seen it many times. But football is a totally different animal, especially the bigger the position you're playing, you know, from a physical standpoint. But right. I'm not just – but just – I'm just thinking about Harry Miller dealing with the expectations, dealing with being banged up and still dealing with expectations. That's what uh, Joshua Perry and I talk about because Joshua Perry even admits that when he was in the NFL, he sought counseling finally to deal with some of that, you know, just uh, the pressures of – What's wrong with this guy? Why isn't this guy playing? Or, you know, you're even asking yourself, what could I do better? Where can I get better? How do I deal with this ridiculous competition factor that I wasn't dealing with, you know, in high school? You know, when I was the biggest man, maybe not even on the block or in the conference, but maybe in the state, you know? And all of a sudden you get to an Ohio State and like we're watching that open practice uh, last week and you're going, man, there's some talent running around out there on that field. Look at the defensive backs. I mean, look at the safety position. Uh, and they're all vying to be those next two or three guys that step up, you know. And uh, 
just dealing with that is is crazy, especially when you then get banged up and then maybe things don't go as well as you thought they would when you finally get your shot. Uh, and it's not all to do with that at all. And I'm sure with Harry Miller, but that has a lot to do with it, right? It has to be. And, <clears throat> you know, none of us could say we're not going to be able to diagnose it. Um, that's way above our pay grade about all the things that we weigh in on that one for sure. We're not equipped to do, but I think the other part, when I just look at Harry Miller and the person that we got to know um, and, and Berm, especially, you know, dating back to his recruitment and the way that he talked to, uh, you know, Harry and Christina Miller is like, I don't know that there's any, it's a short list. He's got to be in the top five of the players that I know that Berm people, not just players that he respects more than anyone else he's dealt with. And our experiences over three years, when uh, you're talking about all of his various interests, you know, it never would have surprised me if at some point Harry Miller just decided, I don't want to play football anymore. Yeah. Not, you know, completely separate from any of this stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm going to become a musician or I'm going to be, you know, the world's greatest engineer. I'm going to invent something or missionary be a poet or I'm going to move to Nicaragua. I mean, he's a man who he he's the closest thing, I think, to a true Renaissance man that I've dealt with, certainly in football, but almost almost in any walk of life. He's one of the smartest people most skilled people, people, uh, talented, personable people that I've ever met, inquisitive. I remember one night, I think you were sitting in there. Yeah. We were sitting in the lobby, and he had had a, a media availability, and everyone's still just trying to process all the things he said. And then he came out, and he, I think me, you, and Berm were sitting in there. Uh, maybe you – I'm trying to struggle to remember it, but – Go ahead, yeah. And he just, like, started talking about his, you know, UFOs. And yeah. <laughs> And, and started talking about alien life forms and, and the possibility of that and like for half an hour. And he didn't want to go home. He, he didn't care like who we were. He, I mean, he knew who we were, but you know, he wanted to, he's just wasn't done talking. Wasn't wanted to get other people's thoughts on things. And um, that, that's the stuff that'll stick with me because I yeah. like, I felt like, man, you're just, you don't need to do this to, to, to play football, to, to succeed in anything. And I think that he knows that. And I think that that's, you know, kind of hidden away in that letter that maybe that's not, you know, the right Avenue for him moving forward where the rest of his life seemed like it was always geared towards that. Yeah. Like as you're talking about the five star expectations and, you know, I, I can't, I just give him all the credit in the world. And I hope that, you know, he's happy and, and healthy and, and got the results and, and outcome here that he wants because he deserves it. And yep. it, it's scary how close it was to go in the other way. Yeah. You know, fellas like that, man, uh, I just wish I was half that smart, you know, <laughs> but the, but fellas like it, that, it, you know, you know that they have a constant tug of war going on in their head of thoughts because they're thinking about a lot of things, you know, in depth, uh, you know, how do you feed, how do you help the, you know, the Nicaraguan children, in which he has become so attached to, I mean, the, you know, that, that, that mission down there. And, uh, uh, but how do you cut, you know, you know, the, he would quote from literature, you know, big time classic literature. I mean, all these thoughts that where he knows he could go and become a success and yet yeah. they're all pulling at him because a guy like that wants to excel in probably all of those uh, avenues. And yet, yeah. You know, uh, 
he knows his claim to his initial claim to fame. And he's not, he's not stupid. You know, he knows his initial claim to fame is being a great football player. And, uh, that's not necessarily what he wants to be, you know, and I'm not putting words, I'm not trying to put words in his mouth, but, uh, you know, that he's got so many other things that in his mind probably have a higher priority in terms of what the world needs, you know, but he also is a really good football player and he wants to maximize that just like he's playing the, the guitar, you know, he probably wants to be Feliciano one of these days, you know, I mean, who knows? Uh, That's what, that's the kind of uh, gym, mental gymnastics guys like him and even uh, Joshua Perry. You know, you've been around Joshua Perry. Joshua Perry has all kinds of thoughts going on all the time, man. He and I talk about that in this interview. And, uh, you know, along with this burgeoning uh, uh, broadcasting career, television career, you know, he's a, a pretty well-respected, successful real estate agent. You know, <laughs> and uh, talk about a time to be a real estate agent. But I digress. There, I've only said it once. But uh these guys, they're all different, you know, and that's what Ryan Day, that's what I embrace what Ryan Day has done. He and his wife, especially Nina, you know, with that, that fun they've got at Children's Hospital that, that, that deals with uh, mental challenges, psychological challenges for youth, et cetera. It starts then, you know, when you realize you can be different and different means you got a lot more thoughts going on than the average guy or you can't get your mind off of negatives, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Joshua Perry and I talk about that in this following interview, but uh, you have any other quick thought before we get to the interview? I feel like we could talk about it forever, but I just, you know, I think that, you know, a lot of it, I don't want to speak for him. I think that we both said enough about his various interests and that's our informed speculation about what, you know, may have happened. Um, and I, I feel confident that at some point, knowing the kind of person Harry Miller is, and especially after doing this and getting the more challenging part, so, to, you know, just to look at it, that first mention of it, yeah. you know, writing it down, I think the, the, with the outpouring of support, and then what he also mentioned that he would have a chance moving forward to potentially be in a support role. And yeah. you know, I, I don't know exactly what that will entail, but I would bet that, you know, after this step is out of the way that Harry Miller will, be more, you know, vocal about what he went through. I'm sure that he'll be, uh, you know, telling this story and, and trying to help others with it. And that's, I think, you know, the, the silver lining from a, a pretty dark cloud is that you yeah. know that Harry Miller will be able to take that experience and he's equipped to help people with it in a way that that not a lot of people are. And the like, the latter man, I I I'll say it, like, just incredible writing. Yeah. Like, you don't, the content of it is, it just breaks your heart in two, but, you know, he, I don't know. I, I just, I'm so impressed and, and with that part of it. I know that that doesn't sound like the right word for it in, in the situation, but he, he is a, a really special, special human. And I mean that. Well, you and our sports writers, man, it's hard to come up with those special I, words. Here's what you know is that thing could have been probably, 30 more pages long minimum, you know, right. and uh, with him, you know, it was in his mind. And, uh, you know, I thought he encapsulated the, uh, the impetus for why he wanted to do it because of that, you know, uh, Ryan Day got asked this the first day of spring football, what's wrong with Harry Miller. Yeah. And now we know, you know, and uh, wrong. Yeah. You know, that has all kinds of uh, connotations, but uh, now we've gotten some insight and, you know, let's move on to my, uh, interview here with 
Joshua Perry talking about that and some other, you know, highly pro- high profile, you know, situations that went on with with people dealing uh, with some mental challenges, some psychological challenges, not the least of which was Kevon Pope suddenly leaving the field last year in the middle of a game. And uh, not that he, you know, but it just shows you these these young athletes either self-inflicted or real or under a lot of pressure. And you never know when that tea kettle is going to kind of blow. And uh, and it's it's good. You know, it's just it's just tough because, you know, that help is there if they want it and seek it out, especially at Ohio State now. So without further ado, let's get to my interview with uh, Joshua Perry. Welcome again, ladies and gentlemen, to the Tim May podcast. Joshua Perry, one of my favorite people of all time, who also happened to be a football player of some repute. Joshua Perry, welcome again to the Tim May podcast. Always glad to get the invite. I know it's um, generally we keep it fun and lighthearted today. I know we're going to get into some serious topics, but it's always a good time when I get to join. Well, we are going to talk about what you see early in the Big Ten. You know, what, what, what's, what's your gut telling you about the 2022 Big Ten race, just in a nutshell. But uh, yeah, I did want to touch on this because touch on it's not the right term. I wanted to sit on it for a while. Is it, uh, you know, we saw the, the letter, the open letter that Harry Miller sent to Ohio State fans and media uh, last week, basically uh, talking about number one, he was retiring from football, you know, and, uh, but then number two, he's a former center at Ohio State. Uh, big-time five-star recruit out of Buford, Georgia, one of the big-time gets by Ryan Day and his staff a few years ago. And, uh, you know, he, and he indicated or uh, revealed in that letter that uh, he had actually had uh, suicidal thoughts, may have even acted on it to a certain extent, sought help from Ryan Day, Ohio State head coach, about this. And uh, Ryan Day, of, of course, we all know, you know, the Ryan and Nina Day Fund at Children's Hospital mm-hmm. – in uh, Columbus, how much uh, they are into this. You know, Ryan Day lost his dad to suicide way back when he was a youngster. And, uh, but it's just, I just wanted to touch on this because you also, you retweeted a tweet from a Temple football player who talked about stepping away from the game uh, to deal with maybe some mental challenges, psychological challenges he's touching on. I'm telling you, 10 years ago, five years ago, you probably wouldn't have seen this, (laughs) if at all, Joshua, what are we seeing right now? And it is a it, it is a good thing, but how good a thing is it for sports in general, college football in particular? Yeah, I mean, I think this is reflective of just young people in society in general, where um, you see people who are leaving, you know, not just the sports world, but like, you know, big job opportunities or whatever the case is, different things uh, to protect their mental health and to really focus on themselves. And that's been uh, a big part of, this uh, new generation of young people is to ensure that they are in the proper mental space and that they're, they're doing the self care things, right? Because if you're not good to yourself, you can't be good for others. Um, looking in on athletics, it, Harry Miller um, sharing with us, which I definitely appreciate. And I reached out to him and um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping all the best for him into the future, but that is courageous because he's not the only one. And then you mentioned the player from temple, who basically within the same week revealed a similar thing. You can go back to a couple of weeks ago where the student athlete from Stanford had committed suicide, right? Yeah. And so these things are, they're not totally uncommon, but they're not shared very often. And so I think for somebody, especially somebody as bright and, and somebody as, um, you know, you, you feel like you want to attach yourself to their future, like Harry Miller. Um, I think it's really important for the future of sports, 
I hope this type of thing continues. I actually spoke to somebody this weekend who is um, going to be a dentist. He's in school right now. And he was playing division one football on scholarship and he became a starter. His grades totally dipped. And then there was a stress from him being the starting quarterback as well in a situation where he felt like, um, you know, there wasn't the, the support from the coaching staff and everybody else. Um, and so he's like, okay, I'm not enjoying playing football and my grades are terrible. I can't become a dentist. So he left college football and went to a different school and now he's in dental school. And I think that's also a part of this journey too for young athletes is, you know, this is fun for a lot of us until it's not. And the whole reason any of us ever started playing ball was because it was fun. We were kids, we were running around, we were having a great time to the point where the game becomes something other than fun. I think we're going to see more athletes say, this isn't what I signed up for. And maybe they're leaving a scholarship on the table in the process of doing that. But the priority, I think, for a lot of people moving forward is if I'm going to spend my time doing something, I want it to be something I enjoyed. I want it to be something that's fulfilling. I think gone are the days where people are just going to be tortured for four years at a time and say, well, you know what? It was for the experience or this is how it's always been done. So I'm going to do it like this. I think that's changing. Um, you can see the landscape with, and uh, you know, uh, uh, transfer portal and everything is going to make that a little bit easier just in terms of players calling their own shot too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and you know, that, that opens a Pandora's box from the standpoint of where do you go? Who do you see? Who do you trust? Yep. Uh, do you ever reveal something like that? Do you see it as weakness? Uh, I, I, I think we've, I think the evolution going on at right now is that more and more athletes are, attacking this or em- embracing it, it maybe not be the right word, but it, acknowledging it, you know, but then you have the, the young lady at Stanford who seemed to have everything going for her. Everything and, uh, going. Who And boom, I mean, she'd had a conversation with her mom, you know, and was upbeat, et cetera. And a few hours later, she was, she was gone. And uh, so you don't, you know, it's, I guess where, I guess what I'm getting to you is I'm not looking for a liability here where, you know, you're a real estate guy and you're off time as opposed to uh, just your Big Ten network duties and Bally's uh, duties, uh, Bally's uh, network duties. But uh, uh, you're not a psychologist in your off time, I don't think, right? No, but, I mean, you know, I could spread myself a, a little bit thinner yeah. and maybe add that to Yeah, a list. little bit thinner, yeah. But you know where I'm going. I mean, it's like uh, uh, where do you go if, in fact, you're feeling these things? And do you do – you, is it your sense? You played football at Ohio State at a high level – national championship you played in the national football league uh one of the tenets of that and you know it's a cliche but be tough man don't admit yeah. that somebody's getting to you you know you know you know, uh whatever you know stay stay in the stay in the mindset of you've got to achieve you've got to be the starter you've got to be this and that and the other as opposed to admitting any kind of mental weakness or psychological weakness and so do you, is it your sense that we are seeing a thaw there, a uh, definite uh, thaw there in that exactly in, in, in that approach, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think there needs to be a paradigm shift if it hasn't already kind of taken off in terms of how we view toughness, because I would say that what Harry Miller had done and what other people speaking out on their mental health and their experiences that have been very challenging and probably bring up some 
really bad feelings as they talk about them, I would say that is toughness rather than trying to handle things all on your own. And, um, you know, it's, it ends up generally being a, a detriment to yourself and a detriment to your team as well when you don't share those things. But um, I can, I've never shared this story publicly before, but um, when I was playing in the NFL, I had dealt with um, stress and anxiety. I'm a very high tension person. Um, I like to do a lot of things. I like to do them all well. And so it was manifesting in um, anxiety. And so I talked to one of my position coaches and um, he was like, oh, well, you need to go talk to the team psychologist. And so I started doing that, got to know him really well. It was very beneficial. Um, when I ended up getting released from the Chargers, the last thing the, uh, the psychologist told me was, next time, if you have an issue like this, don't talk to the position coach, just come straight to the mental health professionals, because it's a, it's a bad thing. It's not viewed as a desirable trait to be a guy who goes to see the shrink. Um, and I hope that is a changing sentiment, but with some of these old school football guys, that's how it's always going to be. Um, and so at a place like Ohio state, where these guys are really fortunate is Ryan has firsthand experience in what it means to, um, to take care of your mental health because he's seen the other side of it. And so I feel like those guys are going to be confident if they have anything that they're worried about in terms of who can I talk to? You can talk to the head guy because he's invested in it. Um, I'm just not exactly sure it's like that in a lot of places. And I'm also not sure offline what the conversations are like within the locker room or at the dorms, just from player to player. Can you share about your experiences? I got to catch up with uh, JT Barrett a few weeks ago. I had a phenomenal time with him. And he's like, he's like, we need to just like once a week or once every two weeks, we need to get on the phone and we need to talk. Because as two young black men, there aren't a lot of spaces where we can just open up and we can be vulnerable and we can share what's going well, but also the challenges that we have and how we're going to, to attack it and how we're going to manifest all the great things that we want to see happen in our lives. Um, I think locker rooms need to become that space as well. So you can start there and it's not a taboo to talk about mental health in the locker room. Shouldn't be a taboo to go and reach out to your coach about it. And coaches shouldn't hold that as a knock against the player. The other way around, you have somebody who realizes that they need help with something. They're asking for it. That should be something that you view as admirable instead of the other way around. Let me ask you, how much stress comes upon, like I said, you showed up at Ohio State, a ballyhooed signee. How much stress comes from just showing up at a place where uh, a year before you were learning over the football field and now you're in competition just to get on the field to have a chance to play. How much stress does that put on uh, student athlete, young student athletes, you know, who leave town, you know, to a parade sometimes, you know, <laughs> and all of a sudden, yeah. just like with Harry Miller, you know, yeah, we were asking what's up with Harry Miller because, you know, we weren't getting, you know, we weren't, we weren't entitled to get an answer, but we weren't getting sure. the answer. And you don't want, you know, you don't necessarily want to pry but, uh, right. but, you know, that, but it's clear. I mean, you guys show up much ballyhooed, like I said, with recruiting, et cetera, and then you get in line. How tough is that, do you think, on some young athletes to deal with that on top of starting to go to, going to school and being responsible uh, for getting up in the morning, et cetera? Go ahead. No, it's difficult. I think it's difficult for everybody. It was difficult for me because uh, you have the competition, which is going to be hard, and it's probably the first time you really had to compete for your spot. 
right? Like most guys who are going to a place like Ohio State, like you were the dude from freshman year. Like you weren't, there wasn't a matter of, you know, are you going to get the starting job? It was a matter of what kind of stats am I going to put up in the game? Um, And it's totally different when you get to Ohio State, you're a young player for most guys, you got to compete. And for, for a majority of them too, it doesn't happen on the timeline that you really want it to happen on. You, you feel like you want to be in there day one. Everybody's goal is to become a starter. And for some guys, it takes uh, uh, you know a few games. For other guys, it takes a couple of seasons uh, to get to that point. And for some people, it never actually comes together. So there is a ton of stress. There is stress and uh, anxiety that comes from expectations. And that would be your own personal expectations. But that's also expectations of, people on the outside uh you mentioned like the parades oh man i'm the only tangy kid who is playing football at ohio state like people have expectations that they want to see perry running around in the horseshoe um and whether it's fair or not to internalize those expectations that's what typically happens and so um there are the internal factors that cause stress there are the external factors that cause stress and um i don't think anybody is not limited to being a collegiate athlete there's nobody at 17 or 18 years old who is emotionally prepared for some of the stressors that do come up um and so the fact that at least at this point um there are a lot of programs who are investing into the mental health coaches not just the strength and conditioning coaches or the on-field coaches or on-court coaches the mental health coaches um it's necessary because young people, and this is, I'm going to get into the science, even though I'm not a scientist, but 18 years old, your brain is not fully developed yet. So there, there are a lot of factors that are going into the, the finalization of your brain development. Um, And to, to have high stress and have anxiety and to have depression, it does change your brain chemistry for somebody who's still trying to get to a point where their, their brain is fully formed. Um, I should say fully developed. So it's, it's tough, but I think, I think we're heading the right direction. I'm just not exactly sure it's happening quickly enough. Yeah. I had Dr. Chelsea day on my podcast back last summer. Uh, and I invite people to go and rewatch that or listen to it because, uh, you know, also had to Roger Mitchell on talking about some challenges he had. Ryan day was on talking about how he's embraced this embrace may not be the right term, but has opened up things about letting people have a portal to uh, if they want to incognito, you know, uh, go discuss their problems, and, et cetera, and get treatment. Which for is them. big. What? If, if you can go and you don't have to say who you are. Right. Like that's helpful for a lot of people because of this thing called shame that's associated with a perceived mental health issue or perceived weakness or perceived deficiency. Um, you, you, you can take that out of there because you put that extra layer of being incognito. So I think that's important as well. Yeah. But, but then past that, you know, there, there are guys who show up at Ohio state with, with challenges, right? I mean, you know, it's like, that's what I wanted to ask you is, uh, how far does this go? I mean, how far does it go from a responsibility? I think if you have any kind of ailment, be it mental or physical, and you're a football player or an athlete at Ohio state, you should be privy. You should be uh, privileged to treatment, et cetera, for whatever it is. I don't know. Where, where do you, where do you stand on that kind of situation? Cause you were in the locker room, you know, you saw guys deal with, with uh, challenges. You dealt with challenges. Heck, I mean, how far does it go? You know, in, in that regard. 
I mean, as far as as you could imagine, it would go. And and you're talking about for some people, um, childhood trauma and their background, their upbringing, whether that is abuse, whether that's poverty, um, you know, all those things become factors and um, everything is intersectional. So you can't just say like, that's one part of your journey. It's, it is one part of your journey, but it probably does filter in to other parts. And then you've got other kids who have always been uh, high achievers. They've always had really good grades. They, they've always been really good at sports. There are always been expectations that they would achieve at whatever they could do. And that brings up another set of challenges as well. And it's not as negative because you have these challenges because it's a good thing, but there's still a challenge for you. Um, and, and then all the other stuff in between my, my personal thought on it is, um, I told you, I, I started seeing a, um, a psychologist when I was playing football professionally, it was the team psychologist. Um, I see a psychologist now. Um, I believe that 99% of us need to be in counseling. I think that we need to see a mental health professional. Um, I think we all have different trauma I think we all have experiences that we wish that we could do over that we replay in our heads. I think, you know, we have, we have relationship uh, trauma. We have work trauma. Like there's all these different things that we're trying to compartmentalize and like, who am I uh, to try to think that I have all the answers to figure it out myself when there are people who are professionals that um, they can, they can identify to you what you're going through, and then they can give you a mechanism to help you through it. Um, and so just general, I think all of us need to do it. But if you're a student athlete, there's 100%. Um, you should be in counseling of sorts, um, whether you feel like you need it or not, because there is a moment where every student athlete feels overwhelmed. It's like the middle of finals and you're preparing for a bowl game and you get a call from home that something's going on and life just stinks. Like it happens to everybody. I think yeah. it like day one, you should walk in and be able to talk to somebody and at least, you know, develop a rapport and a relationship. What is, what is, what, what is the biggest challenge for a student athlete? Is it, is it, is it answering the bell uh, every day? Everybody gets nicked up physically. You know, the most healthy you are is the last day of July, right? If you play yeah. football every year, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, is it is and then and then trying to play through that, but then uh, that brings its own mental challenges, et cetera. Then you're trying to like maintain a spot or a position, and yet you're not a hundred percent. You know that. You think the coaches maybe know that, but they're not showing you any slack because uh, the train keeps moving down the track, right? I mean, uh, how much of that is involved in this? Do you think, Josh, Joshua? A ton. Um, I slipped, I by the way. I called you Josh. Sorry about that. I know. But I, you know what? You, you caught yourself, and that's the important thing there. Yeah. Um, I think the most difficult part, if I'm looking from my personal experience, is having to be on point every day. Um, you know, yeah. it's it's not like you get to show up and have a bad day at practice and, like, it's just okay to do that or to consistently – have, you know, back-to-back bad days. Like, you know, some coaches even have the mantra of no bad days or whatever the case is. And it's like, I I get it because you do want to be on point, but it's like, I'm human. Like, I'm going to have a bad day. Like, we all have them. 
Um, and so that it, it's, it's challenging. It's challenging to try not to do it. And then when you do, it's challenging to not kick yourself and feel like a piece of crud at times. Um, and that is a constant thing. It's like in season, it's, it's being on point in one way, but in the off season, it's being on point. It's just different. Uh, but it's something you got to do and feeling like <laughs> urban's going to throw the, uh, you know, the attendance sheet up in the team meeting room, like, you know, and this is not to be an indictment on Urban because I, I think that he did a really good job with some guys who I know were dealing with challenges of them dealing with it and not drawing attention that they didn't want to it. So I'm, yeah. I'm not saying this to – but, you know, Urban's going to – he's going to apply pressure because that's the way that he likes to coach. And so if I know he's putting the attendance sheet up and it's going to tell somebody if you were – if you're late to class, if you missed class or whatever the deal is, I'm going to be five minutes early to class – you know, even if that means that I'm not doing all of the the other things for myself personally, I might have to, uh, you know, leave breakfast early or whatever the case is. So I'm not feeling great. But, you know, it's, it's just what you deal with. You find a way to make it work. You got to be on point. Yeah. Well, last couple of things. Last thing in that regard, though. How, how far can a coach let things slide is not the right term, you know, but they've got a job to do, too. You know, they've got to put a starting unit on the field, uh, a competent football team, let's keep it in football vernacular, on the field, um, they really can't afford to slow the train down too much, can they, for for, for individuals? I mean, what, what do you think the pressure factor is for them, you know, to still get, quote, the job done, uh, despite the fact there might be some, for one or another term, some casualties along the way? What would what is your sense of that? Yeah, I think that's a big challenge right now for coaches is, is finding the best way to run a program. So, you know, is the old school thumping all the time at practice the way to do it? Because in one regard, you're going to have a really tough team. But in the other regard, like, is it actually necessary, um, especially if you do know your team is tough already? Do you, do you let the guys come in a little bit later and leave a little bit earlier so they don't feel like they're trapped at the yeah. Woody all day? And especially in a situation where they free time is hard to come by in the first place. Like what coaches are trying to do nowadays is they're trying to stay ahead of it. And so they're asking themselves these questions so they can avoid the issues down the line. They're, they're trying to, in the off season, ask their players like, Hey, what can we do to help you? Do you need anything right now? How is everything going? It's really making sure that it doesn't become a problem. Um, and it's, it's hard because you can't prevent every situation and some of these things come out of nowhere for some people. But I think if you're a coach and one of your concerns is how this is going to affect your team, I think it's open dialogue about it, but I think it's also making sure like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to stretch my legs. So my, my hammy doesn't become a problem when I start running instead of just getting out there hitting the ground running, all of a sudden I blow a hammy and wonder why I did it. I think that's kind of the mentality there. We all saw Kevon Pope leave the field last year in a, one of the most dramatic things I've ever seen on a football field during in the midst of a game, a linebacker who had quite a bit of promise coming in a few years before, uh, and uh, m- m- things just didn't work out in, in the terms of maybe the way he thought, et cetera. And I've never talked – I've never spoken to him since, but – I think that was for the whole world to see finally about for whatever reason and for, you know, why it happened then, who knows, things just tea kettled. I mean, just mm-hmm. blew up. And 
it, I thought it was a stark example of the pressures players are under, both, like you said, self-inflicted pressures, pressures from the outside, et cetera, and they know their career, you know, is going by, you know, it's going yeah. by in a heartbeat. And uh, finite amount of time. Yeah, finite amount of time to, to play, to establish yourself, you know, for one of them, you know, who knows, to maintain a na- name, image, and likeness deal. You know, it's right. is it based on getting on the field, et cetera, prove you are who the you, you are. Uh, uh, and yet, here's Ohio State, I think, with this good, if probably not the best uh, uh, situation for dealing with these psychological and mental challenges for players. It just shows that things can blow up quickly for some guys, right? Yes, they can blow up very quickly. And, uh, you know, it's it's typically there's something that's underlying that was never addressed, but yeah, there's that moment where all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is very out of character. And it is out of character, but it's also like everything that was inside too, like a champagne bottle, you know, the cork just flies out. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that's tough to see because what happens in a situation like that is also you really you you put yourself um, in harm's way. You jeopardize yourself, and you jeopardize um, um, you know the way people view you. Yes, and uh, I know that was a, a tough situation for Pope, and I'm hoping that you know he can pick up the pieces because I've talked to him handful of times back at the Woody. Always thought that he was really engaging and fun, and to see that happen to a veteran guy in the program, it stinks, man. But you know, I, I think it goes to show too. Like, time starts ticking, and and you know, you've you've you're pressing, and you especially when you feel like things aren't going well anyway. Um, you know, just just didn't handle it very well. But there's a lot of guys that could have been too. Yeah, Antonio Brown. I mean, wow. Uh, hey, real quick before we go, uh, uh, the new defense coordinator at Ohio State, Jim Knowles. Uh, we had a nice sit sit down with him the other day, and. Uh, one of the things he talked about was he believes <clears throat> you can practice tackling without taking guys to the ground. Um, yes. You know, just you know, work on the fundamentals, the, the keys, et cetera, mentally take whatever. But he brought up a, a great example of what changed his mind on that was the loss of a friend of his, Tom McHale, a guy he played football with briefly. Ed Cornell was a friend of his, uh, you know, died of an overdose uh, uh, like back in the mid-2000s. Uh, but this was a guy that uh, he was the, one of the first brains. His his uh, wife donated his brain to the CTE. Uh, uh, you know the CTE. Uh, what's it called? Uh, not institute, but whatever at Boston University to study mm-hmm. the effects of of concussions, et cetera. And it totally changed Jim Knowles' approach to defense, as he said about you having to, you know, the way you tackle, the way you practice, et cetera. Boy, that is yep. another indication that that the game because it has to change from the coaching standpoint and filter down almost sometimes yes but it, is it refreshing to you to you to know that that guy is now the defensive coordinator at Ohio State that he has run some really good defenses in the past at Oklahoma State and even at Duke and that's the way that's his approach now and enlightened for one of another term approach to the physical game of football yeah I love it I, I think it's refreshing because he's right. I don't think you have to take guys to the ground and uh, tackle at full speed to practice tackling. In, in 2014, um, when Chris Ash came in, he was a rugby style tackling guy. And yep. so we spent a lot of the spring 
um, installing this new way of tackling. But we, we did it from stationary positions. We did it with guys who uh, were basically on their knees instead of being uh, totally stood up. So yeah. it takes less of the, the, the impact out of it. We were tackling on the crash pads and we rarely went live tackle. And our tackling improved tremendously from 2013. And the reason is because you can break down the fundamentals and guys aren't dumb, right? They understand the fundamentals and they can rep each portion of the tackle without having to do the full thing. Um, number two, because tackling never happens perfectly. There are, there are very rare opportunities where you will see a perfect form tackle in a football game. So it's about really emphasizing the important keys, not getting the perfect tackle. Um, and then number three, and it's what Jim Knowles talked about, and this is what got me really excited about him, is not just how you keep your, your head out of the tackle um, and, you know, you put your head behind instead of across the bow, which yeah. that had me excited because that takes out a lot of the this right here, yeah. the, the helmet uh, contact. But he talked about leverage. He talked about guys running to the football. That's what you practice. You, you practice running full speed and getting to the football. You don't have to take the guy down there, but you have to get to the guy with the ball. Yeah. And if you have three people hitting the ball, then he's going down. It doesn't have to be a perfect tackle. You, you have a guy who's – you make sure he turns the ball back in. You have a guy who's running inside out, and then you have a guy who's filling straight down the middle. You should have three points of pressure on the football when you make a tackle. And he talked about making sure that guys are running and that they have good leverage. I'm like, man, he's a great coach because he keeps the game simple. Football yeah. is a simple game, and it doesn't have to be a lot of big collisions, and it doesn't have to be these stupid drills. Run and hit and hit and run. That's it. And I love it. Yeah. Hey, real quick, uh, uh, you, you've got kind of a new gig. You've been at it for a while now with Bally's, uh, the Bally's network and stuff. Just And you're, obviously you're coming back because you're a man of some acclaim uh, there on the Big Ten network now and stuff too. But uh, I'm excited about uh, your future in the broadcast industry. Oh, man, it's, it's a lot of fun. I'm super excited. The opportunity I took with Bally's, uh, it's very different than anything I've done, <clears throat> excuse me, in my media career. We cover uh, all, all sports yeah. on a national show. We do it daily. Um, and so it's a great challenge because it's making me step outside of just football, which I'm really enjoying. And it's a daily show. So there's a lot of content and you got to be on point and get your mind right to come in and have a good take on something every single day. Um, and then it's in Chicago, which is really awesome for where I'm at with Big Ten Network, too, because I'm right down the street now from BTN studio. So it kind of put me closer to the thing that really got me into the media world. Uh, it's also presenting some different challenges for me to, to become better as a broadcaster. And then, um, you know, because we talked about my 20 jobs, I'm, I still got the, uh, the real estate gig going back in Columbus, too. I've got a little partnership there so I can I can sell the real estate without having to be in the city. So your boy has got, got some things going on. Yeah. Uh, real quick though. Did you see yourself? Let's go back to Joshua Perry. Uh, uh, 10 years ago. Did you was broadcasting, uh, uh on your, uh, on your radar? Was it in your, uh, your, your sites? No, it was not on my five or 10 year plan. My, my five or 10 year plan included, uh, becoming Columbus's next big real estate mogul. 
Um, but it did not have broadcast in it. And I uh, started, you know, doing pregame with the fan and I was doing Charter Spectrum uh, postgame my first year out of football. And then BTN called me. I absolutely love it. I, I think it is the greatest job ever. Um, me and you have this in common. We're long-winded people. Yeah. And so I have a platform to be long-winded and I absolutely enjoy it. I was going to say, there's nothing, nothing beats being able to give your viewpoint on something that you know everybody else is talking about, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Hey, Joshua, real quick before we go, uh, boy, Ohio State did not win the Big Ten last year in football. No. Yeah. Shocking. Yes. Uh, what do you expect in 2022? Just give me a, just give me a succinct uh, take on here in early March about what you're seeing headed down the road for the 2022. Uh, football season in the Big Ten. Could we see a repeat of last year, a.k.a. Michigan? Because uh, they, I think they feel like now they've reinvented football again. <laughs> well, uh, they but, reinvented uh, their coaching staff, too. Because they Yeah, reinvented their coaching that, staff that again. Gone. You know? Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah. just w- what's your take, man? I mean, is Ohio State going to reascend? Like I keep saying, if Ohio State's just 25% better on defense, it rules the roost again. That, but, you know, that, it could that, be wrong. Just, Go ahead. No, but you, you can end the conversation right there. Like, I don't, I really don't think it's that complicated. Ohio State is going to have the best offense in the Big Ten again, probably a top three or a top five offense nationally. And they just need to get a couple more stops, which I'm sure they're going to be able to do this year. Like, you look at it and it was very disappointing, but it's also, I think it shows how spoiled of a fan base we can be. And I include myself in that, um, not just calling out fans here. Because, you know, you you win uh, 12 games or whatever the case is, and it's a bad season. Yeah. And people are calling for coaches' jobs. And, you know, they're reevaluating personnel and they're looking at recruiting and they're trying to, you know, find whatever the issue is. It's like, it's not really that big of an issue. Like, you you win 12 and 2, you won a Rose Bowl. Like, I it's hard for me to say that there are a ton of problems within the program. Um, and... Jim Knowles, I I believe, is going to have the defense better than it was a year ago, and I think that's going to put them right back in the college football playoff conversation. It's pretty simple to me. Ladies and gentlemen, nobody makes it simpler than Joshua Perry. Joshua Perry, thank you once again for joining the Tim A. Podcast, my man. Hey, really appreciate it. I always appreciate Joshua Perry's insight, man. One of the the great individuals we've covered at Ohio State, uh, covering Ohio State football, but also one of the great human beings I've met. You know, his dad's one of my favorite people also, but it's always cool having Joshua Perry's insight, isn't it? Yeah, I wonder how he's going to balance that uh, future as the president of the United States with all this other stuff going on. I mean, I don't, I don't guys know. Got his final four bracket will be stout, though, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, is he going to be able to do Big Ten Network uh, things on the weekend in Valley Sports while he's president? I think he probably could work that in, you know, if he gets the right advisors. What do you think? Let's say. Hey. If anybody can, it'd be Joshua Perry. Yeah, I tell you, he give a hell of a stump speech. I'm just telling you that right now. Right. If in yeah. fact, even use stumps anymore. He give a hell of a, a social media speech. Uh, but it was interesting there at the end. You know, when I asked him, just kind of threw it in there. Uh, you know, what what do you see? What do you see coming? And just from here, you're sitting here in early March. Uh, what do you see coming in the Big Ten football rankings this week? And he he, I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically said, you know, hit the default button because he thinks Ohio State's going to go back where it once was. And it, as I keep saying, you know, I've said this on our post-practice reports uh, sponsored by Buyers Auto that, uh, uh, and a couple of other type places, you know, Ohio State's only got to get better about 
only got to get about 25% better on defense and look out, you know, and of course, Jim Knowles is intending to get so much better than that, but he sees Ohio state getting back to ruling the roost. And uh, I think you agree with that assessment, don't you, Austin? I I do. And especially, you know, it's two practices and they didn't have pads on. I'm not talking about the pre, yeah, what we saw. Yeah, but, But, but go ahead. But, but that is also what makes it, harder to not think that Ohio state is going right back in to dominate the big 10, getting back to the college football playoff and potentially winning a national title this year, because the talent is undeniable. I mean, I've, as we touched on earlier, I've been places even in the sec where you walk out there and you see the roster and you can see where the holes are right away. Yeah. You can see that one through 85, it is not the same athletically. This team right now and I would include 19 and and 14 and 15 like out of what I've seen I think on paper this is maybe the most talented gifted physically imposing Ohio State team that I've ever seen and by default that means one of the best assembled in the country and you know I don't see a weakness on this team so if the if part of that last year was that the coaching wasn't up to that championship level and certainly that was Ryan Day's view uh, by making these changes with Jim Knowles and bringing in Tim Walton and Perry Eliano and and on the offensive line as well with Justin Fry then that 25% you're talking about that doesn't seem like that big of an ask every position everyone well who's going to play defensive tackle well that's here comes Teron Vincent and Jerron Cage and Tyleek Williams and Ty Hamilton you have more than enough defensive ends. And line, well, a linebacker wasn't good enough last year. Well, you have six or seven guys to fit into two spots. Well, what about the secondary? They weren't the, – uh, okay, well, Denzel Burke and a healthy Cam Brown and Josh Proctor will be back in a couple of weeks and Court Williams is healthy and out there and Ronnie Hickman. I mean yeah. – and that, like, it's, It goes on and on. It goes on. Like, that's just the front-line unit. You have these guys – like, we were standing there right in front of the secondary. They are going through some of those drills for the first time with Walton and Eliano. Yeah. They're working on takeaways and they're in a line. And you see, I wrote about him on Monday morning, Legend Cavazos. Yeah. <clears throat> Pretty coveted recruit. It's a big deal. Ohio State, you know, lost him for a bit, brought him back in. They wanted him. He's kind of in this sandwich in the middle where you know that Jordan Hancock is pushing and Denzel Burke and Cam Brown are already established. And you don't think about, you know, these guys that are in maybe year three or, you know, hasn't happened for them. A red shirt junior, perhaps. Like, it's like you forget about them. And also, they were top 100 players. They're four star, maybe even five stars in some cases. And like, they slip out of your mind. But then you walk out on the field, and it's like you think about the other success stories, like a Devon Hamilton or a Jay Sean Cornell or you know whoever, a late bloomer, because Ohio State has this remarkable knack of developing guys, and they don't have to play in year one or year two, and then they become superstars in NFL draft picks at Terry McLaurin, whatever. I mean, go down the list of that too. Like then you just, you just see it. It's like, yeah, these athletes are incredible. You know what I've called it, you know, and snippets and videos and stuff we've done. I've called that the embedded talent of a big time program that finally gets its shot. Of course, I thought that was going to be the case with the linebackers last year, (laughs) but uh, the embedded talent uh, just stayed embedded, you know, uh, for the most part. Uh, I'm talking about, you know, some guys who'd stuck around and paid the price because we'd seen, you know, the the benefits of that with Justin Hilliard 
uh, Pete Warner, although Pete Warner, like you pointed out, Pete Warner was playing pretty much from the get-go. Justin Hilliard was hindered by injuries, et cetera, in his career, uh, finally came to the fore. But you're right. I mean, you see that. In this, I mean, just middle – just a microcosm is the secondary and uh, the players involved there. I want to ask you this, though, and I yeah. brought this up on one of our videos. Uh, the, the question the, – the, the jury's still out for me. Because you got to see it. You actually have to see it happen. You and I have talked about this before. Is that defensive line going to be as dominant as it appears it could be? Because it was not last year. Yeah. I don't I don't think I'm talking about against the better talent, the big time, better talented teams uh, mm-hmm. with offensive lines. Do you think who is that? Give me keep this short. Give me that one. Give me those two guys in the middle that you think could could give you that feel that, yes, this is going to be a special group. Just like on the offensive line, they brought in Justin Fry to fix some things, one of which is short yardage. you got to be able to make third and two. You know, you got to be able to make third and two running the ball because uh, yeah. Ryan Day is not satisfied with just throwing the ball all, all over the lot, although, in my opinion, when you're that good at it, you probably should anyway. <laughs> but, you know, that vice you've got to have on both the offensive line and the defensive line, just a pure physical dominant standpoint – do you see that coming to the fore with this defensive line group? And I'm talking about, you know, we know about the defensive ends. I'm talking about the collection of tackles. Yeah. I think what Teron Vincent showed in the Rose Bowl is the kind of performance that really everybody's been waiting forever. He got after it. He, I mean, he got after it. The number one defensive tackle recruit in the country when he was when he was on the way, when he was yeah. signed at Ohio State, and a bunch of injuries just – you know, a string of them, three three times, you know, in a row, knocking him out, not letting him reach his full potential. And, you know, I think we talked about uh, either last week or the week before just the, the names that were coming up, but from the former Buckeyes that were at the NFL Combine, who were they talking about? Yeah. And when you when you talk to an offensive lineman like Thayer Munford or when you talk to you know, Tyreek Smith or Haskell Garrett, it's Teron Vincent, Teron Vincent, Teron Vincent. Yeah. And <clears throat> as you said, we – you still have to see it consistently. And I thought he played uh, much better as the season went on. And it can be hard when you haven't had an opportunity to be out there game after game, snap after snap, um, to become the kind of player that you want. But if that corner has been turned and he gets a little bit of that health luck, I think you saw in the Rose Bowl what a force he can be on the inside. Yeah. The one thing that I saw on Tuesday that, you know, is just a detail that in the grand scheme, you can, it goes right out of your mind, but, and you know, we're standing there in Tyleek Williams. They go from the stretching uh, on one end. Uh, I think they were what, over there on the east side, east end zone, and they blow the whistle, and they're going to do the you know, Rushman drills on the west side. And he's sprinting with a manager, uh, you know, quality control. I don't know what position it was. I haven't met this gentleman yet. But yeah. they, they sprint 100 yards to the other side of the field. Tyleek Williams is racing. If What kept him last year was the conditioning and getting the body right. We saw what he could do by the middle of the season, and everyone said, well, why is he not playing more? But physically, he didn't have that yet. And I think that's just like one sprint, you know, but if that's the way that he's attacking, this is what it's got to be. I got to be in better shape. I got to push myself physically. I can't be worn down. I can't let them take me out of a game. If that's the way he's approaching that, you know, winter workout, spring ball, look out because that guy can do everything on the inside, and, and Larry Johnson will have a field day with him. Yeah, that was – see, that was – if we were, like, trading off, you know, who you're looking at 
yours was going to be uh, Teron Vincent, and mine was going to be Tyleek Williams, you know, but instead you took both answers. Took both. Because that wasn't the premise. But you're exactly <laughs> right. And I'm telling you, if you watch that, if you watch Georgia, if you watched the Los Angeles Rams finally, uh, mm-hmm. when it when it's right down to, you know, what in time, as you guys call it, the Cowboys call it out there in yeah. uh, Wyoming, uh, you know, what in time. <laughs> yes, you know, what in time. Um, you've got to have one or two of those a gap sons of guns. I have another name for them, but they set the tone. They can change a football play in a heartbeat. And I think if Teron Vincent from that second half on that defense played with a savage approach, which wow, you hadn't seen really all year. Yeah. They gave up that late drive because of some pass interference calls. Uh, which were yeah. which were basically apropos, but uh, but the way they attacked Utah's front in that second half, especially, and and then you see the improvement that Teron Vincent and Talik Williams, for example, can bring to the fore there. Yes, I do believe the makings are there, but like you said, you know we've got to see it. And boy, you know the opener against Notre Dame, we'll be talking about this forever. Yeah, but what a showcase that could be for a new look Ohio State defense. You agree, right? Hundred percent. And uh, the other thing I wanted to throw in there before we go, you know, uh, you have, you know, you and I talk a lot about different guys and the, one of the more intriguing players, I think in this, in the transfer came from the transfer portal, uh, but transferred in, he's going from running back to linebacker. He's chip train him. And the reason I bring him up the kid originally from what the Akron area, uh, Northeast Ohio went out to Arizona state to be a big time running back, decided he wanted to come back home and be a big time linebacker. As he says, he's going to revolutionize linebacker play, I think is what the word he used when we got to talk to him back in January or February. But my point is one of the first guys uh, Jim Knowles talked about, it was brought up to him, but Chip Trainum and how he has hit the ground running as a linebacker because he has a lot to bring to, bring to bear if, in fact, he can harness it, right? But it was interesting the way he spoke of him. And, of course, Jim Knowles, defensive coordinator, works with the linebackers. But that was intriguing, wasn't it? It was, and I and I asked about him uh, for a reason because I I'm also intrigued by this idea of. Wait a minute, is he your? Is he your? Is, my my guy is Josh Proctor. Is he your guy this spring? Go ahead now. I I'm going to talk about him a lot this spring. I think, and yeah. you know, I just I watched a little bit of you know the past video and whether that was at running back or or some of his high school stuff where he was playing defense. Herman and I talked to him in December. And I just – I there was something about his personality and the way he talked about the opportunity and the obvious, the obvious physical makeup I think can translate no problem. And he seems to have tacked on like 20 pounds of muscle since he got here. Yeah. Uh, and he, the dude is imposing and he can run. Like we know all that. So – and I know I was told that he had an interception, uh, you know, during the periods of practice after we got kicked out on Tuesday – Pads are not kicked on. Out. Wait a minute. I like the way you said that. Kicked out. Now go ahead. Uh, yeah, when, when Quinn's like, Jerry, uh, take care of these guys. Um, it's just – there's something about it that is intriguing to me because I thought for a long time that Steel Chambers needed to play linebacker. And I know that Ohio State felt that way during his recruitment that that was where his best future was. And maybe part of the interest in chip training is because Ohio State just pulled this off and that Steel Chambers by the end of last year was uh, 
arguably the most impactful defensive player that Ohio State had, almost out of the blue. And I know how much better he can be with a full year. And I so just think, like, how quickly can, can Chip Trainum do this? He played at a Power 5 level. He was a successful running back. Yeah. He just seems to have a mental capacity for it. Now, it was two days. The pads weren't on. He hasn't had to tackle anybody yet. Right. Uh, you know, we're going to see a lot more of that over 13 practices. And I don't know where it ends for him. It'd be crazy if they get to April 16th and it looks like Steel Chambers and Chip Trainum are their two best. Now, uh, just because of their storylines and the running back part of it, but you know, Cody Simon and Tommy Eichenberg, you know, others are going to have a say in that, but yeah, I just think he's so athletic. And the question that I had had for you, uh, when we talked about it last week, like, I don't know how Jim Knowles wants to use those two linebackers. Right. So I asked that question right. and then about train them. And if, and if there isn't a big difference for it, boy, you're, those are the two guys. So I think in terms of their measurables and, intangibles and, and physical ability, I think they've got the highest ceiling. And I just, I'm really, really intrigued by what can become of that over the next five weeks and then over the yeah. summer and then into August. But here's the thing about Chip Trainum I really like. He's got that sparkle in his eye when he talks about playing linebacker. I mean, yes. I, that goes a long way with me. I mean, this is a guy who is champing at the bit. I said that uh, I, uh, pronounce that extremely clearly because champing at the bit's the correct term. Sure. Uh who is champing at the bit to go out there and hit somebody. You know? And uh and the interesting thing is real quick, I, I don't know when that uh, I don't know if you've run that story when that story I wrote about uh, Jim Knowles and basically being this teacher, but also the way he's pr- teaching uh tackling. It's probably gonna run later this week. I'm not sure but but the point is uh Jim Knowles is a smart guy like uh, Joshua Perry and I talked about in that interview of you can teach tackling without tackling, without taking guys to the ground. And, uh, you know, I think with some of these linebackers who want to make their point that they're the guy, that they should be one of those two guys, Yeah, it's going to be hard to keep them from taking people to the ground. It's going to be an interesting, uh, <laughs> I think, practice in practice. Uh, I, I think you agree, right? Because they, they know, man, uh, there's two spots open. And they want to be one of those two spots. I mean, like you said, Tommy Eichenberg was the defensive MVP of the uh, Rose Bowl. That was legit, in my yeah. opinion. Um, you know, we saw Steel Chambers. Cody Simon was hurt, you know, uh, is coming back. Mitchell Melton, of course, we're seeing him out there running around with those uh, at the defensive end, possibly that Leo spot. But they're going to they, – there's a lot of guys who you talked about a while ago about the defensive backs. They want to be on the field. They understand the urgency involved, and they're, they're all for it. Yeah, and I don't think that in any of these positions that Jim Knowles or Ryan Day, to a greater extent, would say, well, we're going to find these two linebackers and they're going to play every single snap. Right, That's exactly. That's not realistic in the way college football is being played anymore. You're on the field 70, 80, 90 plays. You can't – you're not going to survive that way. And they're not going to ask either one of them to do it. And that's why I think, you know, yeah, maybe there will be just a, a gradual development you know, the same way the steel chambers early on in the year, you'd see him make plays and say, well, why isn't he out there every single snap or more snaps? You know, it seems like these other guys are rotating, they're doing drives, but he needed, he still needed a little bit of time to get his feet under him. Yeah. And maybe that'll still be the case with train him. Who knows? But he does have the advantage that steel chambers didn't, which is that he made this move uh, purposefully and consciously in December 
and has had went through January and February to build his body and change it to be a linebacker, and now has March and April to play linebacker in practice. And then that summer was really when Steel Chambers like fully committed to it. And we saw what happened from there. Yeah. You know, well, this this should or could give Trainum a head start over what Steel Chambers had. Um, we'll see. But that's why I just I I really believe he's just just for me right now, the player that I'm most curious about how his development will go. I agree 100 percent. And by the way, before we go, you know, go ahead. Yeah, I'm just saying because another one of these guys, when we're talking about one through 85, like there's no doubt physically. There's just no doubt. Yeah. Oh, then what is the what does the coaching staff do with it? How does he take that coaching? How quickly does it translate to the field? That's the part that we don't know and and will be fun to track as that goes along. Yeah. And real quick, uh, we were talking about smart guys, Harry Miller, intelligence. Uh, Man, every time you talk to Jim Knowles and, you know, boy, you just hope, you know, (laughs) <laughs> Nobody translates, you know, uh, but golly, I mean, this guy, you know, I just, I like the way he communicates, man. I, you know, like, like I talked about in that story, communication, being able to teach is the heart of it all. You may be the smartest guy walking around as Ryan Day said, you may be the smartest guy walking around, but if you can't teach it, what, you know, you know, you're almost useless, you know, as except for being, you know, in your own little world. And uh, Jim Knowles, man, just comes across as that enlightened always looking for a new way to maybe do things uh, going from like practicing, tackling the old way to practicing, tackling the new way as he delineates. I mean, uh, there that's intriguing. Is it, isn't it? Uh, what you're going to see as you and, and Berm and uh, Spencer Holbrook and I talked about seeing him working with like what you call top level material, <laughs> you know, finally uh, about as good as you can get. It's going to be intriguing to see how he evolves, how, how he uh, utilizes that material. You agree, right? Yeah, and his press conferences are are must-watch. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I guess I sound like a broken record on this stuff, but if you can't or won't describe it, teach it, convey it, you know, give your philosophies and, and let the media explain it, and uh, it's not perfect, that doesn't apply in every single situation, but it's certainly here when there's, 30, 40, 50 people there hanging on every word. Um, you know, if you're not yourself in that setting, I would think it'd be hard in a closed door, you know, back in the woody in a defensive yeah. meeting to do it there. I mean, you, know, you don't have to open up the playbook for us. Um, you know, you're teaching 400 level back there and all of us are sitting out there uh, 100 level. If what, we're what's it? Wait, coach, what's a three technique? That's right. <laughs> We're not we're not meant to understand the game at the level that that he does. Yeah. But the, and Bobby Carpenter brought this up on, on Letterman Live this week, and it was a good explanation for this as well. Which like you have to be able to, you know, teach at different levels to different different understanding. Exactly. And I think he presents everything in a way that makes it easier to understand. Yeah. And even when he's just talking, like, you know, Doug Maurice says, "Well, what do you call these positions?" Um, you know, you had the adjuster and the bandit and then the very clever nickel. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and this is why we call it that. And these yeah. what the responsibilities are. It, he's, he's extremely sharp. Uh, and it's, a, it's really enjoyable to listen to him and learn from him. And we're going to get to do it a lot more this spring and in the, into the fall, I'm sure. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm, I'm really 
uh, keep using that word today. Like it's, I'm entertained by him, but I'm also intrigued and curious and yeah, want to learn because yeah, you want to hear more. I mean, that's, that's my deal. I always leave, I've left those, uh, inter, uh those moments with him wanting to, wanting to hear more, you know, and, uh, by the way, adjuster, I, I walked up uh, later and said, you know, you need to change that to fixer, you know, like Harvey Cattell and, uh, and, uh, Pulp Fiction or something. I think adjuster, I don't well, know. They're just, it, huh? Yeah. I, 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 I don't like that one. I don't like that one. Huh? I said, I said, you know, a couple of years ago, they called Jordan Fuller, the eraser. back Yeah. There, there you go. Cause he's saying adjusting things on the field. And I said, well, if things are wrong, you are erasing the mistakes yeah. and you're trying to erase plays at the end. And he's like, yeah, you're right. But it's the adjuster. I think it's cool. And I'm like, all right, cool. Okay. I, I just think it, it pales in comparison to bandit, you know, or even nickel so for cool, that matter. Yeah. yeah. He'll come up with something clever for it. I'm sure. But uh, right. ladies and gentlemen, we've uh, slid into home plate here. Uh, the end of yet another uh, Tim May podcast. And I always appreciate my co-pilot Austin Ward. I call him Awesome Ward when we're off the air, you know, kind of like Maverick, you know, uh, uh, from uh, Top Gun. Awesome's his uh, call sign. But, uh, Austin, thank thank you once again, my man. We'll be back to talk more about Ohio State Spring football and maybe even the Wyoming Cowboys' uh, big roundup as they head perhaps to the Sweet 16. Just think about it, man. We could be sitting here next week, and your team could be in the Sweet 16. We didn't even bring up Ohio State real quick. Wasn't it kind of maybe disheartening for Ohio State fans to see their team – uh, get invited to the big dance, uh, seated number seven, and be rated immediately as an underdog to the number 10, Chicago Loyola. What do you think? Uh, you think if they get a couple of those players back, Zed Key, Cal Young, I think could be a different team, could make a little bit of a run. What, what's, just what's your brief take on that? Tim, I was told. I, I went from one thing to another there. I don't know if you noticed as I, as I got yeah. into that thought there. I was I was told after my column on Friday just to stick to football. I don't know yeah. people don't. You know, apparently I'm, I'm not uh, equipped to be able to talk about other things going on in the athletic department. Uh, yeah. You know what, though, sometimes when you write a story and it says the sun is hot, some people are going to disagree with you. Go ahead now. I know. I, I didn't think what I wrote was really that, that as controversial as people seem to think it is. But no, uh, I, I think that this is it. like if they're not fully healthy. Ohio State's going to have problems yeah. winning on Friday at 12. I mean, that's that's just a simple matter. We've seen that against teams that are much less talented even than Loyola. Yeah. Uh, you know, what happened against Nebraska? What happened against Maryland? What happened against Penn State? Or Those Roberts losses, last year. Yeah, yeah without Kyle Young. Yeah. Losses simply should not happen. Um, people want to point to the injuries, and I get it. It's an important part of the equation in this conversation, but you still have one of the best players – you know, of, of recent memory for Ohio State and E.J. Liddell, um, you've still had Malachi Branham out there. Those two players were better than anybody Penn State had on the, on the roster, better than Nebraska had on the roster, better than Maryland had on the roster. Those guys can win you games. And now if they play, if those two give you elite performances from start to finish, Ohio State can win that game. Yeah. I don't know what they'll do if they get to Sunday, but – We've seen players get hot, and if EJ Liddell uh, is at his is at 100 percent and on that mission, Ohio State can surprise people. But more often than not, it's gone the other way for this program uh, recently. And Chris Holtman's not been able to get them into the second weekend. I don't think that this is going to be an exception, and that's why I think that different conversations need to be had when 
when you're weighing a contract extension, I don't know what Chris Holtman has done to merit that, especially if he still has three years remaining on that deal. Um, and I know that you don't base evaluations in college basketball off of one game or one week or one month, but at some point you have to achieve something of consequence and that could happen this week. I'm not saying it won't. Yeah. But you don't win on Friday. You know, I think that's a, that's a hot seat conversation that, that is real. I tell you what I'd like to have seen, you know, the, what, what really bothered me about this team uh, the, down the stretch was taking nice leads and just, then just blowing them. I mean, in what, in essence, was the fourth quarter, sometimes late fourth quarter of games, and just, wow, that's just like, you know, that's, that's on your resume, you know, that you can't finish. You know, and thing I would fix, you know, like you, you hope they get uh, Zed Key, Cal Young back just so they are close to 100%. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Cal Young's obviously dealing, it appears to be with concussion problems and, uh, and uh, Zed Key with a, with a sprained ankle. But my point is I would love to see, for example, Adele attack, attack the hoop more. I mean, just physically get after it. And, you know, just those are little things that they could change going into Chicago Loyola, Loyola that uh, could just change the way the other team is having to play them, et cetera. Just, you know, just, Wow, because I still think the makings are there, believe it or not, for them to get to the Sweet 16 if they get their act together and then finish the play. You know, yeah. <laughs> they're not they're not finishing. Uh, they've got, got to get the act, but then you got to get the four acts together and finish it. And uh, that analogy is running flat there, that theatrical analogy. But I still think it's there, you know, and uh, so we'll see where it goes. But, boy, kudos to the Ohio State women's hockey team making the uh, – Frozen four, you only have to win one game to do it, but hey, what the heck, right? <laughs> and the Ohio State women's yeah, Ohio State women's basketball team for uh, you know, making the the big dance. Those are big, those are achievements, man. And uh, you know, this might be who knows, Ohio State women's hockey may be the best women's hockey team in the country. And you know, uh, Gene Smith is somewhere smiling right now about uh, what could be coming down the pike, could be a, a national championship before you know it, right? But that's the reason why I I write what I write about Chris Holtman and the Ohio state basketball program right now. Because, yeah, I know you do. <laughs> because you look across campus and I know it's not, not every program can be held to the, to the football standard. I'm that's fine. Not going to compare the two. I know they're different, but if you're looking at the rest of the athletic department, which I feel is the best athletic department in the entire country, and has more money than virtually anybody else and has more to offer athletes now, especially in the name, image, and likeness era than anywhere else. You look at every other program on campus when it's not meeting a championship standard, they make changes. They're not content to let any program, any of 30 plus teams sink to the bottom half of their league. And now, you know, Ohio State didn't do that in men's basketball. They are still in the NCAA tournament. They still won 20 games. But I also don't think that there's any case to be made that they're expected to win championships and uh, at the level that other, you know, women's hockey wasn't there. They made a change, made a great hire. Look what's happened to them now. Yeah. Lacrosse that we've talked about. When they're building all of these incredible facilities, men's tennis, women's tennis. Yeah. Whatever. Every program in the Ohio State Athletic Department is given – the support and the resources to win at the absolute highest level. And that includes men's basketball 
which is why it's puzzling that you would accept fringe top 25 and making the tournament every year as the a, a success. Yeah. And if you're giving Chris Holtman an extension based off of that, you're basically just saying you're completely okay with that. And you don't think that final fours, big 10 championships or a national championship are required to, to meet expectations for that job. And that's the part that I have the hardest part with yeah. because that's not the case for anywhere else on Ohio state's campus. Yeah. Well, I think the bottom line, we'll leave it this too. Like you just touched on Ohio state has what 36 varsity sports and like you talked about, Alabama, you look around the country, most most universities don't have anywhere near that, you know. And uh, But these sports are fully funded, meaning they should be competitive. I mean, basketball yes. is fully funded. I mean, it's got as nice a practice facility as almost anybody. I don't know how, I don't know how better a practice facility you got to have than what they've got. I mean, it's, right. you, know, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. All the ingredients are there, including the financial backing. Uh, and uh, like you said, there's no – now, you do get injuries in basketball, which totally change your team. It's not like football. You know, it's uh, you can lose one key player and can totally change the, the makeup of your basketball team. I mean, that's what's different about basketball from almost every other sport. And I understand all that, too. But you're right. I mean, there does come a time, you know, um, you know, what's that, what's that old line? Fish or cut bait, you know, lead, follow, get the hell out of the way. But uh, go ahead. Here's the part about that that I find amusing. And it's just, you know, one or two people that that wanted to bring it up and that's fine too that about the injuries and, and the different standards and, and football versus basketball. And so, well, if, if Gunnar Hoke had had to finish a season two years ago, instead of Justin Fields, I think oh, this person said, I think Ohio state fans would have understood that. I said, that's, I completely disagree with you. Yeah. If, if that situation had come to pass and Gunnar Hoke had to go out there and save the season, there would have been a ridiculous outcry. How in the world did Ohio State let its roster get in this situation yeah. where one injury to Justin Fields ruins the entire program? This is a championship standard. You you don't get a free pass for an injury. Like that's I football expectations don't make wiggle room for that. Yeah. For injuries. They expect the roster to be built to withstand that. And when Correct. we've talked about in the past, like with Ohio State's defense, and we would put in context how young they are. Like, I don't remember a lot of people saying, oh, gosh, well, you're right. They are young. That, they shouldn't fire all their defensive coaches. It is okay. Never mind. I'm fine with, I'm fine with two losses now. No that's, no, that's not the response to that at all. No, you're, you're not, not fine with, with them lining up incorrectly. That's what you're not fine with. Go ahead. That part, yeah, but that, yeah. That's, that's, that is why they were fired. Yeah. They weren't fired because they were inexperienced in the youth. That's the yeah. stuff that you understand and get behind. Yeah. That's why I think, you know – I understand that Kyle Young and Zed Key are important. I'm not pretending like that isn't a factor in the last two or three weeks. I know that it is. But I'm, I'm saying the way that it is viewed and evaluated is extremely different than what would happen if the injuries were hitting Ohio State football. And that's – yeah. maybe that will always be how it is and they'll never change. That's fine. Like, just say so. Yeah. But don't pretend like you're – like, what's Chris Holtman? second or third highest paid coach in the big 10, you know, yeah. that you pay that amount in this conference where Michigan state has proven it can win a title. Michigan's getting to final fours, Indiana's history, Wisconsin getting, you know, to high level and, and final fours. Like this is a good basketball league. And if you're paying Chris Holtman that amount of money, 
that should mean that he's able to win championships. And he's come close. Yeah. He's done a fine job. But I think the expectation, that doesn't match Ohio State expectations in my mind. Yeah, I got you, man. Your mind. That also doesn't mean I think he should be fired. I don't. You know? Yeah. And he's not going to be, so that doesn't even matter. The interesting mind of uh, Austin Ward. Uh, Boy, we started started this whole conversation talking about Harry Miller and thoughts in his head. Uh, Joshua Perry letting you know thoughts in his head. We got Austin Ward's thoughts in his head. Uh, it's a dangerous place I thought as, as Austin was going on there was duh, duh? <laughs> no, the expectations, man, they are real. And, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes, but, uh, you know, for Austin Ward, uh, finally, after that digression, and that was a true digression. You agree? Yeah. You got me going on that. No, I know. I love it, man. You know, I just told people, uh, you know, just keep listening, man. Keep, keep on keeping on when it comes to listening, because, just when I get to the end, there could be a whole new chapter, ladies and gentlemen, every week. That's why I like my, my buddy, Austin Ward. Awesome call sign. Uh, but until next week, uh, I'm going to sign off real quickly here before we get uh, going on another contrail. Next week for Austin Ward, this is Tim May. We'll see you then. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.